0: Why? I don't know. So many doors. They could lead anywhere. That's a That's a Get
1: it off! Get it off! It's an electrical cord, you idiot! Oh, God. I thought
0: I bought the farm that time. You scared the hell out of me. Are you
1: all right? Oh, yeah, sure, I'm fine.
0: I haven't met the electrical cord yet that can get the best of me. Okay, let's cut the humor and get on with it, all right? This is funny. (laughs) Okay, let's try this one.
1: Door number one, Monty.
0: The following movie contains material that may
1: not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. Any man with a weapon can commit murder, but it's such a waste. A sorcerer's son must learn to use the power of death to control the force of life. This is the source of our power. And... This is the Next Level Network production of the Shitfest, fest pretending to be an actual podcast, disguising itself as a magnum opus of the macabre. Yeah, you know it. You found your way back to what lurks behind Podcast Zero. Hosted by your favorite low-budget shit talker himself. Okay, maybe not your favorite, but whatever. Postmortem Paul. That's me. And this is episode 29. 29 episodes. Pretty impressed. Um, (laughs) Something else impressed me a little bit more this week. A little bit of that in a moment. This week, though, along with some of the typical banter and bollocks that I bring every week to you, uh, the podcast is also going to focus on one of my all-time favorite movies from the mid-80s, the classic VHS cult hit. Spookies from 1986. It's going to be a whole bunch of debauchery and bullshit. But hey, whatever. This is my podcast. My podcast that, as it stands at this very moment, I was going to start with something else, but I'm going to start with this because this is pretty uh, mind-blowing. Uh, is the only term I can think of at the moment roughly about maybe 10 minutes ago before I hit record on this. uh, The Facebook page for What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. I don't know, should I be thanking Bugs Bunny or the month of October? I'm not sure what it is yet, but the beginning of this week, I had maybe 114 people liked or followed the Facebook page. 10 minutes ago, we broke 600. Uh, For... Any and all of you who may be tuning into this podcast now on a weekly basis, thank you for joining. (laughs) Like my phone can't charge properly because of the amount of notifications that have come through. It has been overwhelming. It has been fucking awesome, (laughs) to put it bluntly. But I, uh, I'm, I'm beside myself. I shared one Looney Tunes video. But for Halloween you know I just thought you know let's have some fun and it's an old um, it's like a collection of little skits and whatnot that was turned into a half hour TV special called uh, Bugs Bunny's uh, Halloween uh, what is it Howlween uh, special or something like that Looney Tunes Halloween special whatever but it like instead of it being print- uh, spelled Halloween it's spelled H-O-L H-O-W-L O-W-E-E-N, I actually have to spell, that's pretty scary. Actually, I'm a pretty good speller, so it's all good. But um, yeah, anyways, I, I shared that on the, the Facebook page. And then I'm part of a uh, a, a horror group called Halloween, which is also a podcast that I listen to. But they have a little group and everyone shares like videos or their favorite trailers, favorite movies, you know, ask for suggestions and shit like that. I mean, it's a typical horror group, right? I shared the video on there. I was like, hey, everyone, let's have some Halloween fun. (laughs) And wow. What the fuck? All of a sudden, the video just... It's been watched over 200,000 times. Shared at least 30,000 times. The Facebook page, every five minutes, there's a new follower or a new person who's liked it. And it's just... Mind blowing, and it's extremely humbling because I'm like, oh shit, now I actually have to make like real good episodes, <laughs> you know, in case these people do start listening. Uh, it's it's awesome, it is such a great feeling. I almost feel like I finally made my mark in podcasting, even though I'm pretty sure it's more the Facebook page that's doing all the work than the podcast. But that said, it, it's still it, it's it's wonderful. And for anyone who is now going to be joining in on the weekly, you know, banter and bollocks, as I put it, you know, that come from me about horror movies, sci-fi movies, and anything and everything that's spooky, creepy, and macabre, uh, welcome. And thank you so much. Uh, Fuck. I mean, I thought, like, the weirdest thing of the week (laughs) actually happened last Sunday when the Chicago Bears won a football game 48 to 10. And they haven't done that in... (laughs) at least a decade. and Yeah, I I watched that game and I was like, "Eh," pinching myself and like, am I awake? Is this a fucking dream? Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, threw six TDs (laughs) and touchdowns for those who don't watch football. Um, And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then, you know, I have like, I go to work for my last week of midnight. So I'm now part of the afternoon uh, lifestyle, I guess you call it. I'm terrified. People scare me. So it's going to be kind of different. Uh, I, I've been on the midnight shift for like the, at least the past four years. And it was, I, I'm not going to go into a lot of details and whatnot, but it was a decision that I had to make that I didn't, I kind of didn't want to, but you know, certain things happen and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I have to make a decision and the decision is to go to afternoons because there's no way i'm doing a morning shift fuck that <laughs> i sleep mornings uh but yeah so i, I figured you know last week of work i expected it to be chaos and whatnot and it was quiet and it was nice and easy and i'm like this is is this like someone's way of telling me that i made a big mistake <laughs> but uh yeah I, you know it it is what it is uh hopefully it won't affect the podcast any i think i've figured out you know, when I'll record and be able to do some work on it and whatnot. So hopefully to like, you know, the listeners and and the the followers of the social media accounts and whatnot, hopefully you won't notice too much of a change, Uh, even though work is at times going to get in the fucking way as it always does. (laughs) Uh, And then of course, there was also the fact that, um, so here in Canada, I I know the States, I think it was a little bit different. I don't think they had the deal that we had but anyways uh through our our canadian amazon website last house on the left the original uh the price dropped down uh it's, and keep in mind i'm talking about the three disc uh Aero release it got it dropped down to eight dollars and seven cents i ordered it got it i mean there was a bit of a screw up with the post office but i did get my discs so i was i was all happy and whatnot and after i got you know after i got them home and whatnot and was watching it curiosity you know I'm just like oh what's the price of it now it had uh, jumped back up to $53.15 so talk about scoring a fucking deal (laughs) like $40 plus I saved on that set and uh, you know I'm not gonna uh, Last House on the Left will be a podcast episode in the future so I'm not gonna go into a lot of details but watching that movie it's interesting because I look at it in two different ways I mean first off yes it's a disturbing movie there's some there's some shit that goes on in that movie that it's like I feel all sorts of dirty right now but at the same time when I think about how last house on the left compares to movies of today it still seems somewhat mild Um, that's not to say that like the actual content in the film is not disturbing yeah it is it's it's a controversial film and for very good reason But, you know, I I think about like movies today, like some of like the torture porn shit that comes out or, um, you know, my favorite movie that I love to talk about that I'll never watch, a Serbian film. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, when you think about like films like that, it's like Last House on the Left is almost like a walk through Disneyland. But I mean, all in all, when you also keep in mind that that film came out in 1972 at a time when people were not waiting or expecting something like what they saw on that screen, yeah, it's it's an effective movie and it stood the test of time. It's been remade. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I do kind of like the remake, but for me, I'm I'm one of those guys, and it's not, you know, it's not because I have some elitist attitude or something like that. But I like originals. Um, I like originals because. There's a, a certain element of um, like extra creativity that has to go into a film when it's a, it's an original and if it's an original that stands the test of time or stands on its own uh, making a mark in its own way, that means somebody like went out of the limitations you know what I mean like they went they went past what the norm was and I think that's why I always have a tendency to like originals as opposed to remakes. It's not to say that every remake has been bad. There's been a lot of great ones, but there's been a lot of shitty ones, too. Um, so, yeah, uh, actually, uh, speaking of movies, and I'm just going to quickly mention this, and then we're going to move on to the uh, the review of the week. Here in Canada, and I know that in the States, you guys have your dollar stores and whatnot. Here in Canada, we have uh, what's called Dollarama, or the Dollar Tree, and we have dollar stores and whatnot. I mean, every... every It's a North American thing that I know of. I don't know about European countries or whatnot, but I'm I'm pretty sure they have it, too. Anyways, I go into Dollarama the other day because, as you might remember on a previous episode, when I talked about, you know, finding, like, the movie uh, Let the Right One In for, you know, $2.50, basically, at a Dollarama, it's now got me, like, walking in there going, let's see what they got on Blu-ray this week. Let's see what they got on DVD. Uh so I scored like six more DVDs from Dollarama. Um two of them I've watched already. One of the one of the films I had seen a while back and the other three I haven't watched yet. And I know not to expect Oscar winning performances, but I don't fucking care. Um <laughs> the two I watched so far um is that there was a 2015 movie called Emily. Uh, it's I guess it's a Canadian horror film. A babysitter kind of storyline, you know, um, I guess somewhat similar to, like, Better Watch Out or The Babysitter and whatnot. Uh, Better Watch Out, obviously, you know, there was the whole flip with the kid ended up being the fucked up one. And, uh, you know, the babysitter (laughs) wasn't as fucked up as, you know, we thought she'd be. Um, And then, of course, The Babysitter with Samara Weaving, uh, which is like a Netflix hit. Some people in the horror community love it. Others hate it. it is what it is. But anyways, with Emily, it was a story of a girl. We find out later on in the film that, you know, she lost her baby. So she finagles her way into babysitting these three kids so that she can kidnap one of them to replace her dead kid. Um, yes, and I I said dead kid. Deal with it. Um <laughs> So, yeah, the movie was okay. Uh, A bit of a slow burn. Uh, The second half of the film is a lot better than the first half. But if you stick it out, it's not bad. I mean, again, I paid $2.50 for it. Um, Money well spent, I guess. I don't know. Uh, The second film that I watched, though, was a lot better than Emily. Uh, Devil's do. Uh It gets unfairly classified as found footage. It's not found footage. The best way I explain it, and I I think I even wrote it on the Facebook page, it's a film that's seen through the eyes of modern technology. And what I mean by that is it uses security cameras. It uses camcorders. It uses, you know, little, um, like, well, obviously handheld cameras, but also, like, little microscopic cameras, uh, hidden cameras and stuff. And it pieces together a story through that. It was interesting. It was different. Um, I mean, it doesn't bring a whole lot new to the genre. We've seen this kind of shit before. I mean, it resembles in a lot of ways, but not completely. It's sort of like a um, reimagining, I guess you would call it, of Rosemary's Baby to an extent. Uh, Not fully, obviously. Rosemary's Baby is its own story in its own right, but it's kind of got that feel to it and whatnot. So... I watched that. That one was actually pretty good. Uh, I think I even already dropped the rating on the Facebook page. Six out of ten for me. Uh, for you know, for two dollars fifty cents, Friday night, you know, sitting around, fucking around, wanting to watch some you know new horror I hadn't seen before. It was it was good for what it was. Uh, the the one film that I bought that I've already seen a while back, a movie called Four Hundred Days. It's a sci-fi thriller starring Brandon Routh and Katie Lotz, who both can be now found on DC's Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. Uh, Brandon Routh, a lot of people know him as uh, the Superman that replaced Christopher Reeve uh, before Henry Cavill. And uh, that movie's okay. Like, I mean, again, at $2.50, I'm not going to complain. Uh, You know, and I've seen the movie. It's on Netflix, at least here in Canada. I don't know about the States, but... It's on Netflix here in Canada. I've seen it. I enjoyed it. So I was like, eh, why not? And then the three that I haven't watched yet, but I bought them anyways. Uh, One I know is absolutely going to be horrible. I didn't care. I still wanted it. Uh, Blood Rain, The Third Reich. Yeah, I know it's going to be bad, so whatever. Uh, It's going to be one of those movies that I watch and shit talk through it. Because that's what I'll do. Uh, Compound Fracture. Uh, Derek Mears is in it and Tyler main Tyler main has been Michael Myers in the Halloween remake and Derek Mears in the Friday, the 13th remake. So I figured, well, why not get that and see what it's like? Uh, I don't know. It had, uh, I want to say like a five out of 10 rating or something like that. So I figured, you know, it's kind of like in the middle, a lot of people must hate it. A lot must like it. So I'll give it a try. And the other one I got was a movie called beneath and, uh, that looked kind of interesting. I was reading uh, the description on the back of the box, and I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. So next week, I'll probably uh, <laughs> update you on what I thought of those three. But that's about that. That's uh, enough shit talk, I think. Um, I Lurker's recommendation for this week um, really don't have a whole lot. It's been a quiet week, I guess. Um I watched Murder Party for the first time. This, uh, oh shit, I want to say it was like Thursday morning I watched it. And absolutely loved it. Um, I've come to realize that I really do like uh, Jeremy Saulnier films. And he just had a new one released on Netflix called Hold the Dark. I haven't watched it yet, but you know what? For Lurker's recommendation, I'm going to say let's all watch that, and then we can all either shit on it or love it. Uh, (laughs) But I I like his films. Like Blue Ruin and Green Room were both awesome films. And then I watched Murder Party, finally. Uh, It's been one I've had on my radar for a while, but I just never kept getting to it, you know, and... So I decided, I, I am pretty sure it was Thursday morning. I got home from work and I was like, ah, fuck it. Let's watch this movie. It was like 80 minutes. This is a you know, quick little horror flick, whatever. And I fucking loved it. Um, very character-driven. Um, so it, if you're looking for like a lot of action in this film, it comes at the tail end of the film. Uh, the first half is a lot of character shit. and Kind of weird. It's got some it's a it's a fucked up story but it's pretty fucking good actually uh my only thing is is would you seriously pick up an invitation to a murder party that you you know you pick it up off the ground you read it and go yeah I'll go to this um right from the beginning of the film it's like this guy's not that smart uh s m r t but uh yeah it was a fun mill it was it it was a fun film um so that's uh Hold the Dark. Yeah, I'm going to recommend that. Not only for you guys, but for me as well. That's uh, Lurker's recommendation for all of us. But now, it's time for the main freak show feature of the week. This film, it has a cult following, I'm not going to lie. But it still, it still baffles me how many people don't know about this movie. So, I like to put it out there. I tell everyone I love this movie. I have a t-shirt of this movie. I Still trying to find a poster. I know. Just everyone tells me go on eBay. It's like, yeah, but I, I want to find it like actually in the flesh. But that probably won't happen. It'll be an online purchase. I know that. <laughs> but um, the soundtrack rocks and whatnot. I have the soundtrack. And uh, anyways, we're gonna take a small little break as we always do. Um, for those of you who are new to the podcast, I always have. This is kind of my format thing. Is Start off the episode just shit-talking about a whole bunch of garbage that, you know, is really meaningless, but it means something to me. And then we do a little break, usually a trailer or a clip, and then I'll do my review of the movie, which, this is spooky, this is a movie I've been waiting for the day I could review it, so there's a lot to talk about. But you're going to have to hold on for just a few more seconds while we go to a break. Be back in a moment. What's
0: this supposed to be? Looks sort of like a Parcheesi game or something. I know what this is. I mean, I've never seen one like this before. It's a Ouija board. Ouija board? That sounds stupid. Hey, Rich, this must belong to you. (laughs) But there's something missing. It's supposed to come with a, um... There. That's the thing that fell out of the box on the shelf. How do you play? Don't you need dice or something? You don't play. The Ouija board is a tool for communication. Communication with who? The dead. The dead? But they're dead! Dying isn't the end. It's the beginning. Aren't you supposed to ask it questions? Yes. Some poor soul or souls are supposed to inhabit each board. They're duty-bound to answer any question put to it. Since when has Carol been into all this weird stuff? This is ridiculous The dead have never left us Their world exists all around us They watch us Through this board The dead can reach out to us
1: The dead have never left us Their world exists all around us And through this board The dead can reach out to us Maybe it's a Parcheesi board Alright Yeah If you've seen the movie Spookies You know the joke behind the her cheesy board no it's a Ouija board but more on that later uh what was it you know what uh, before I get into the movie there was something was it last episode that I said I was going to explain something oh no uh the episode where I was talking about the brain that wouldn't die and then I said it was also the head that wouldn't die and I said I would explain that later okay so, and I realized like i It was pointed out to me, actually. Um, I never did explain the whole the head uh, that wouldn't die thing. So the interesting thing about the movie was when the movie opens, it says the brain that wouldn't die. And at the very end, after the credits roll, it says the head that wouldn't die. And yet it was the same fucking movie. So I had meant to talk about that. uh, That's what, two episodes ago, I think. And yeah, somehow or another, I completely forgot. To talk about that, and it was in my notes and everything. Why it it slipped? I have no clue. So now I feel better. I've expunged that out of my system. Um, I meant to talk about it last week, and I didn't. So I've done it now. Um, not that I correct myself very often on here. Uh, by the way, if you're new to the podcast, I should explain. I'm uh, I'm a bit of a chucklehead. I don't always get everything right. I try to be as most accurate as I can be with this podcast, but sometimes I say shit wrong or my pronunciation of names is not always the greatest. Luckily, I think with this movie, there's not many that I'll have a struggle with. But um, yeah, so like I say, if you're new to the podcast, I mean, I kind of have to... I want to put that out there because I know there's, like I said, there's a lot of new people... Uh, within this community so i i kind of want to clear that air the dead have never left us yeah okay um spookies exact release date i'm not really sure uh it premiered march 1986 at the paris festival of fantastic films But there was no actual date for that. However, the Cannes Festival that took place in May of the same year, May 14th was the first time this film was brought upon the masses at the Cannes Festival. So, a lot of the times people will refer to that as the premiere date, but it did have one showing before that in March of 1986. Uh, The film also had a theatrical release, very small, very limited, in the United States. Uh, roughly between 1987 and 1988, uh, there was um, there was a. It, it only grossed seventeen thousand dollars. Like, what was the final figure here? Seventeen thousand seven hundred and eighty-five dollars is all it made in the theater. So it, it didn't have a uh, huge uh, theatrical outing or whatnot. It's more a, It's a. It's a VHS release. Uh, 1988, I believe it was Sony Video released it. As well, it also got shown a lot on uh, the uh, cable television network, uh, USA Network. Apparently, that's where a lot of the cult following came from. um, On top of the VHS release. Uh, For myself, personally, I keep trying to think of when I actually saw it for the first time. Uh, That area of my life is a little foggy. (laughs) But... um. I know if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I saw it on cable TV. I don't think it was VHS first. I know I watched it on VHS. I have rent. I had rented it a couple times actually, but it seems to me, if I remember correctly, and like I said, that's going back like 1988, 89, roughly around there is uh, when I would have seen it. I think it was a cable TV thing I saw first, um, and then. Saw it at uh, Top Gun Video on VHS and rented it that way. This, uh, it, it was a movie that, when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it for what it was. But as I've gotten older, um, I love the shit out of this movie. I, I, and it's funny because like sometimes I watch it and I watch it like with all the passion in my heart. And then there's other times I'll watch it and I literally shit talk the whole movie. Because it's one of those films that you can do both. You can totally love it and totally hate it at the same time. Um, and sometimes it's it's not so much a hate. It's just, let's have fun with this. So Its original title, though, was Twisted Souls. Um, and it was uh, written, produced, and I believe also directed. No, okay. Written and produced by Frank Farrell, uh, Brendan Faulkner, and Thomas Duran. And Faulkner and Duran also went on to direct it. Um the original Twisted Souls footage was filmed in 1984 and pretty much the scenes that they took care of uh included like the 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 I want to say teenagers but that's putting that's pretty uh that's it's stretching it let's put it that way and I'll explain that in a second I will explain it in a second by the way um but yeah I guess you call them the travelers or like you know the the party goers, whatever uh, that are in the cars, those people and the monsters that they encounter within the house, that was all Faulkner, Duran and Farrell. Um, and that included like the, the, um, demon Ouija girl, which seemed like she was like right out of like uh night of the demons or the evil dead, uh, the muck men, <laughs> I have shit to say about them. No pun intended. Um, the spider woman, the snake demons, uh, the hallway demon and the grim reaper, They pretty much, that was their part of the story. And then in 1985, um, the person who was like forwarding the money, uh, like the fund handler or whatever you want to fucking call him, like the money backer, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what to fucking call him. But anyways, he uh, got Eugenie Joseph to direct more footage that was uh, written by um, Joseph Bergend. Which I also found out apparently is Anne Bergend. I guess it, it probably the two of them worked on it together, or it was Anne is Joseph's name, or Joseph is Anne's name. I don't fucking know. I it's it's all kind of like fuzzy to me. <laughs> I probably sound like I'm drunk right now, but I'm not. I swear, I'm drinking coffee. I'm not drunk. Trust me. Um. Anyways, Eugenie Joseph came along and directed more footage. The footage that, um, she was, uh, responsible for was, like, uh, Billy and his whole birthday party thing with the, um, the, uh, like, the man in the tree, the guy who's, like, uh, you know, give me a light, that guy, um, the whole cat man with the hook on his hand thing, uh, the sorcerer, the, the girl in the coffin, which is, like, his, like, obsession or whatever, um, the Witch in the Basement and the Little Blue Boy, which is technically Creon's and Isabel's son, somehow or another, which was <laughs> that seemed kind of creepy in itself, too, but whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of people keep a lot of people will mistake in this and think it's like two movies put together as one. And I, I've made the same mistake myself many times. Um, that's not actually how it is, it's that Twisted Souls was filmed. And then it was shelved for like a year and a half. They got another director, brought that director in with another writer, and they added to the film, which made it seem like it's two um, two stories going at the same time, which it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Like, they, they did their best they could to try and tie it all together. As for how successful they were, well, that's debatable. But... It's not two movies into one. It was Twisted Souls originally and then turned to spookies when they brought in the additional footage. And as I said earlier, the film was released on VHS by Sony Video. But that uh, that went out of print. And um, I don't know how many of you go online trying to look for VHS tapes or whatnot. I don't do it often. If I buy VHS tapes, it's at thrift stores myself personally. But... Looking up spookies can be a bit painful um especially when you see that people like will you know ask for astronomical amounts of money just for this video um i <laughs> I don't have it on v h s the version I have is d v. d and it's the d v. d that was released in twenty seventeen by a french canadian company intercontinental uh film film and video i think it is or something like that anyways. It was kind of cool because uh and I mentioned this back in uh, I want to say May. Uh when I went to the Shock Stock uh festival or not festival convention in London, Ontario, they had this and I got it for 20 bucks and I was extremely happy because it's um it's I, w- I don't want to say it's remastered because it's not. Um it's just it's a nice widescreen clear picture. Um, came from, a, supposedly it's sourced from a high-definition 2K scan. I don't know so much about that. Uh, it's a lot better looking than I've seen. Uh, it's probably the best version I've seen of it so far. I don't know that I'd say it's like a 2K scan, though. Um, that's that's pushing it. But uh, it's uh, it was released under the title of Les Spooky. <laughs> uh and that's actually some French I can pronounce. Yay, me! Um, anyways, yeah, so if you see, and it is available online, I think uh, Diabolique, dvd.com, I think, has it. Uh, I think I even saw it on Amazon now, to be quite honest. It's, it's out there now, and it's not as limited as I was originally led to believe, but whatever. I have it, and... Uh, Matter of fact, I just watched it today before recording this episode. And for those who are interested, the DVD is playable in regions 1, 2, and 5. Uh it's to my knowledge that in DVD, I think that's there's what, six regions for DVD, I think? I'm not sure. Anyways, it's playable in a lot of areas. Like it can be played in North America, UK, whatnot. So that's that. Um, the synopsis for this film. Okay, so... I was trying to find like a decent synopsis to use for this. I ended up finding uh, the, the back of the um, Sony uh, VHS release. So I grabbed that as a synopsis because... Really, like the... Okay, yeah, the IMDb one. It's okay. But it's kind of really vague in general and... I don't know, I like this one better. It just sounded more fun. So the synopsis for the film is as follows. Imagine you and your friends are paired up with your favorite dates and the night is very young. There's an old dilapidated mansion just down the road a bit near the deserted graveyard. It would be the perfect place to party. Let loose. Lose your souls. What you and your friends don't know is that inside the house lives an ancient sorcerer, A master of the dark arts. He has sacrificed many to give eternal life to his beloved, comatose bride. Just a few more humans needed. The masterful wizard is about to begin another evening of magic, conjuring up dizzying array of monstrous creatures, hellish lizards, skeletal reapers, demons, zombies, ghosts, lust-crazed muckmen luring hags, and a spider woman, all driven by blind killer instinct. Special guests will be treated to an onslaught of twisted supernatural torture until each begs to die. Nothing you have ever witnessed before will have prepared you for the incredible special effects that make spookies the ultimate unforgettable experience in pure, unrelenting terror. Terror? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) Um, It might be a terror that some people watch this, uh, especially if they don't have a good sense of humor. But uh, and that's the thing with spookies. And I wanted to say this earlier, um, like earlier in my review, as opposed to later, because. Spookies is one of those films and I I bring it up to a lot of people when I talk about horror films and some people will question my sanity when I say I love this movie Uh, even when I met Tony Todd I was wearing the Spookies t-shirt and the first thing he said is what does this mean to you like what is this (laughs) he didn't even know what it was um which was kind of cool it gave us something to talk about right but um you know Spookies is one of those films it's it's weird because within the horror community, you mentioned spookies, a lot of people know it, but then there's a lot of people who don't. And so it, it was a film, like I said, like I, back in February when I was, you know, first started the podcast, I was ready to do this as like one of the first episodes. And then I was like, you know what? I really want to hold on to this for the, the month of Halloween. <laughs> you notice I don't refer to it as the month of October. It's the month of Halloween. Um, but yeah, it's it's a movie that is very dear to my heart. But you have to approach it the right way, or you won't enjoy it. This is a movie that, yeah, it's a mess. It's things happened while they were filming it that it caused it to turn out the way it did. But that's almost part of its charm. So if if you haven't seen this movie and you want to to see it for the first time, just remember it. Keep your expectations low. You'll walk out feeling really good about the movie. Now, on to the starring cast, which I wrote down most, but not all. um, Just because some of the characters in this movie are somewhat forgettable, where others are just (laughs) their characters. Um, Starring Felix Ward as Creon. He's the, the sorcerer behind the whole thing. Um... Why these kids go to his house, why uh, these people go to his abandoned mansion, I have no fucking clue. It's never mentioned in the movie why they're all going there and why some kid who's running away from his parents and a group of uh, party-goers, we'll call them, because they're not all teenagers, why why they're going to the same house, uh, nobody knows. Um, maybe this sorcerer has cast some spell. Who the fuck knows? It, like I said, never mentioned. It just, he's got some elaborate game to have these patrons, these people killed to bring back his beloved, um, his, 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 I, I don't think she's his wife, just someone he's very obsessed with who, uh, is played by Maria Pachukas? I think I'm pronouncing that right. And she plays Isabel, um, Really beautiful woman, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's like his muse. She's his, his love of his life. Uh, Creon, I'm talking about, of course. And she's the reason for all of this, right? As more people die, it gives her life. Um, and throughout the film, she is constantly... When she finally comes out of her quote-unquote coma... Her coma where she's like moving her head like in the second time you see her on the movie or you see her head moving back and forth. It's like, I thought she was in a coma. But <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, she's she's pretty much the primary reason for this movie quote unquote existing. Um, Dan Scott plays Creon Servant, also uh, known as the Catman or Hookman because he's got like a hook for the one hand uh, cat Captain Hook, maybe I don't know, um, but yeah, he's uh, he's a creepy little dude. Um, I guess a lot of people refer to him as the Cat Man because, like, when he's chasing his his victims or whatnot, he makes this like weird noise, like a like a cat, like either in heat or um, on the prowl, I guess. But like most cats are pretty quiet when they're uh, going after their prey, and this one he makes a lot. Of... Kind of weird noises, so it's like <laughs> it's really fucked up. Um, and of course, like the 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 boy, the uh, boy who's celebrating his thirteenth birthday. Even though the uh, the little drifter guy there, that's, like giving the old man a light, uh, doesn't believe he's thirteen. He thinks he's twelve because you can tell the fucking difference between a twelve and a thirteen year old, really. Anyways, uh, Alec Nemser plays Billy he's the kid who, yeah, my parents forgot my birthday, so I ran away from home and I have a lot to do with my life. Okey-doke, kid. Whatever. (laughs) And uh, let's see, AJ Lowenthal, he plays Corda, who is also the uh, son of Creon and Isabel. Like I said, so, and, you know, it fucking baffles me because Isabel is, like, this beautiful woman. She's very gothic, and she's got this beautiful white gown and, you know, beautiful blonde hair, great features. And then, of course, Creon, well, he looks old, but I wouldn't say that he was ugly because I'm sure, like, in his youth, he was a good-looking man, right? Why their kid is blue and looks like something out of, like, Demon Knight, I'll never fucking understand. Um... Or not someone... I wouldn't say Demon Knight. But he's got some, like, fucking weird look to him. Um. So, yeah, it, I I have no clue how he's their son. Unless he's a son of, like, some mystical, magical uh, voodoo or something like that. I don't fucking know. It It's, again, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, okay. Obviously, added footage. You know, it it was the story that came after Twisted Souls was already... Kind of on its way. Um, yeah, I'm babbling. Pat Wesley Bryan plays the drifter. He plays the, the guy in the tree who's like, yeah, uh, how old are you, 12? Oh, I'm 13. Yeah, I don't believe you. What? Like, what? How? You can't fucking tell the difference between a 12 and a 13-year-old. A- anyway, and like, asking, okay, whether you think he's 12 or he's 13, why would you automatically assume he smokes? Like, give an old man a light? Like, yes, because... 12-year-olds all around the world go out and get a lighter like (laughs) okay whatever um Peter Dane as Peter Uh, that must have been hard to remember his name uh he's the one that's the uh, fuck he's he doesn't fit he's like maybe in his 40s 50s and the rest of the party goers are like They look like they might be, well, I'm sure in real life they were probably, like, in their 20s, but they're supposed to be, like, teenagers, I guess. Why is he with them? Like, (laughs) all right, anyways, whatever, moving on. Uh, Nick Gianta as Duke. And he's, oh, he's memorable, all right. He's wearing some fucking, like, looks like some, like, loose latex, like, fucking Outfit, some sort of like fetish thing or something like that. I guess he's supposed to be like a punk rocker. Like when I'm watching this, like if I didn't know that it was filmed in 84, I would have thought they were trying to rip off like Return of the Living Dead for like having like the punk look because that's what he's got going. But this was filmed before Return of the Living Dead came out. So I know that wasn't it. But again, like it's interesting though because the group of people they put together. Like, in this group going to this haunted mansion or this mansion or whatever the fuck. It's like, you wouldn't see these people hang out together. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they don't mix. So, was something about the 80s, man. It had to have been in the water. I don't know. Uh, Lisa Freed as Carol. And uh, Carol is... The one who is like in tune with the dark arts, I guess she knows all about like Ouija boards. Well, actually, um, it's her friend. Uh, I didn't write down her fucking name, but, <laughs> uh, Lees, I think it is or something like that. Anyway, she's the one, no, it's Linda. I think it was Linda that mentions it's a Ouija board. And then Carol's the one that knows all about it. And she's the one that kind of goes all like evil dead. Um, like. She her eyes go white, and she's basically the the Walking Deadite of the fucking movie. Kind of weird, but um, it, it, it works. It works for what it is. Um, Peter Iacello Jr. Uh, he plays Rich. Now, Rich is, if you've seen this movie, of course, is the one that has the fucking hand puppet, and he like he's fucking weird. Uh, by, him, by the way, Ayasilo uh, and Gianto both were in the movie Street Trash. Uh, they both had small roles. Uh, Gianta, I believe, was like a street thug, and Ayasilo was like a, a homeless dude or something like that. They both had like small roles in Street Trash. Of course, everybody had a small role in Street Trash, uh, unless you were melting or you were one of the two brothers. Um, and the other one I wrote down is Supake as the Spider-Woman, because the Spider-Woman is all sorts of fucking awesome in this movie. Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the many great parts to this film. Because as bad as this movie is, it's also great for a lot of the great things it has. So, uh, quickly talking about music, just because I have to, because the soundtrack itself is something else. Uh, Terror Vision Records was the record label responsible for putting this soundtrack out and I couldn't love them anymore for that it's probably one of the most played soundtracks I have um, in terms of like on my devices my phone my computer whatever Uh, the main theme alone is like all sorts of awesome to me and so I wanted to uh, mention the two places you can purchase this soundtrack because if you are a fan of spookies, you need the soundtrack. You probably already have it, but I'm going to mention it anyways. Uh, terrorvision.bandcamp.com album spookies. You can find it there. Like Google it if if you're really having a hard time finding it. Just write spookies bandcamp it'll take you right there. Uh, or terrorvision.com slash store slash spookies bundle T Button LP. And the reason I bring that one up is because you also get a really cool t-shirt with it. You get it on vinyl, you get a button and a digital download. And it's something like $39. It's actually a really good deal. So I wanted to mention that because the music by James Calabrese and Kenneth Wiggins is probably one of the the greatest things to this movie. Um, As a matter of fact, I'm just going to jump right into it because I have uh, quite a bit written down. As to what I thought of this movie, and let me put it to you this way: this is how I sum up this movie. You give me a movie with farting fucking zombies in it, and I will call it a fucking masterpiece any day. It's fucking simple: farting muck men. And I am I'm not shitting you. Apparently, the creators say that they did not intend the muck men to be farting. Well, I'm sorry, but when you hear that sound, that's like, and. It's when the muck men are on the fucking screen. I'm sorry. They're farting Uh, gaseous fucking zombies. It's it's fucking hilarious. Um, But if I if I can dial it back just a bit one thing about this movie and this is absolutely what I love and there's not many movies that do this for me but the opening theme like the opening credit sequence the opening theme to me is almost as iconic as John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, Halloween has always had one of those most memorable openings with the pumpkin and the theme song going and it just basically having the the writing, you know, Halloween directed by John Carpenter, starring blah, 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 and all that shit. Just the opening theme sequence with the credits. Spookies is probably one of the other few movies that i can think of that is so iconic that like when the movie starts like i have a smile on my face it excites me it gets me happy it's like here we go i i mix i fucking love the opening main theme um it's one of the most played themes on my phone and on my computer and like whenever i have music playing it's incorporated in quote-unquote my playlist kids are weird today I, I remember the days of like recording songs off the radio on a cassette There was no such thing as a playlist but anyways I know showing my fucking age right uh, I did turn 43 so fuck off uh, but yeah the opening sequence and like seeing like you know the lettering for spookies with the little skull and then it you know close up on the skull and whatnot it, I absolutely loved the beginning to this fucking movie Um, in terms of the characters now, a a Duke, for instance, uh, most annoying fucking character. God, he's annoying yet. Like his comments that he makes in the movie, like even like as early as when him and Peter are like arguing and Peter's like, do you even know where you're going? Yeah. I'm going crazy having to deal with you. Like it's just, it's funny. It's cheesy dialogue. It's stupid. But for some reason, the character of Duke played by Giante there. Nick Giante, uh, he just makes it work. It's there's, I don't know why, but I fucking, I hate his character and I love him at the same time. Uh, like I say, Carol, Carol's right out of the fucking evil dead for sure. Uh, she reminds me of like, you know, the, the deadites in the cabin and whatnot, uh, that we're going to get you kind of character. That's her. Um, I know she kind of has a different role in this cause she's linked to that Ouija board and, you know she's got like some mind connection with Creon and whatnot. At least I'm assuming that's what's going on. Uh, but yeah, she she's truly like the fucking deadite out of this fucking movie. Um, Peter, I, my words on here were: What the fuck are you doing with this crowd? Like supervising? Like what's the problem? No one your age wants to play with you. Like he does not fit at all. It it it's it's kind of like like. Obi-Wan and Luke, but if they weren't, like, mentor and student, but they were, like, you know, best friends just hanging out and going out for beers and whatnot, it would look fucking weird. Uh, And Peter is, like, the oldest of the crowd. Even the woman he's with, um, oh, shit, I can't remember what her fucking name is in the movie. Uh, I think it's Linda, actually, but I may be wrong on that. Um, I never pay attention, I just wait for them to die, but, (laughs) um... But, yeah, like, even the woman he's with is, like, at least easily 20 years younger than him. Uh Why, like I said, why he's even with this crowd and, like, he's bitching that, like, you know, Duke doesn't know where he's going when they're driving. And he's like, why am I following this asshole? And it's like, yeah, why are you? Like, you're way too fucking old. But I I don't know. I guess, you know, we hit that certain point. I mean, I don't know. I have friends that are 20 years younger than me. But then again, I think, like, I'm 20 years younger. So, it kind of works I guess that's what this dude's issue was I don't fucking know um, it, the character of Creon for me was uh, he's I get an Angus Scrim feel from him and you know I see that written on the internet a lot and I have to actually agree with that although like knowing that he's supposed to be a sorcerer the whole, every time I watch this I'm like I wish he would have had one of those like hats that like Mickey had in Fantasia and like really look like totally sorcerered out but they didn't go that route. So whatever. Um, other things that I noted about the movie, there's the right. It's God, it's within like the first 10 minutes of the movie, the breathing tombstone, like it's like, or the coffin or whatever. Um, it's, it's like breathing. It's kind of, it looks rubbery and whatnot. That was new. Uh, that's, that's something that I, and to be quite honest, I haven't seen that in any other movie. I think this is the only movie I've ever seen that in. Um, the whole theme of Creon keeping Isabel against her will, uh, not letting her die or not letting her run away, uh, is probably the the definition of of obsessive mental disorder. Uh, So, you know, even back in, uh, you know, 1986, movies were well aware of mental disorders and mental illnesses. And we just didn't, like, highlight it all the time and give it a hashtag. But, you know... (laughs) um, but yeah, he, it makes him even creepier because again, like it's like, I don't know if you guys have seen that. There's this image that floats around on the internet from time to time where it shows like the preacher from uh, Poltergeist talking to little Heather O'Rourke and it says, uh, What you 50 year olds look like when you're hitting on a 20 year old on Instagram. Um, yeah, like Creon is going after this woman that is like, decades younger than him and he's like fucking obsessed and everything is like i'm hopelessly in love with you yeah it is hopeless why don't you give it up uh, <laughs> but um yeah like it just it's he's really it it definitely helps the character of creon make him a lot creepier um but at the i don't know at the same time again it was like the whole idea that they supposedly had a kid together really confuses the fuck out of me, especially with how much she wants to run away, but never mentions I'm taking my son with me. Um, okay. Like, it's kind of weird. It, it almost makes me wonder if maybe like she had like this son, but against her will, but you know, like some, maybe some like voodoo incantation or some like anti-Christian fucking kind of, um, I don't know. Like, uh, I, uh, what the fuck do they call those? Uh, ritual, ritual. Um, one of those like like anti Christian rituals or whatever. Um, maybe it it, it it maybe it that's how this kid was born. I don't fucking know. Um, but yeah, it, it as much as it helps to like I said, it it makes Creon more creepier. But at the same time, because the film never really goes into why everything happened, like there's a lot left unanswered, basically. It, 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 Moving on. <laughs> I could be on this for a while now. Um, I just kind of wanted to make my little joke about, you know, we didn't have to hashtag our shit back in the day. Um, so the Spider-Woman scene is... Wow. Okay, so actually I'm going to use this to segue into practical effects. I will never stress this enough. Practical fucking effects. You want to make a decent horror movie. You want to make a movie that people will remember. Practical effects. Don't get me wrong. I understand computer graphics sometimes work. I'm not saying they don't. For a movie like maybe a Godzilla or a King Kong, I get it. But when you were dealing with monsters, when you were dealing with, you know, hag ladies and zombies and, like I said, farting fucking muck men, practical effects are the way to go. Holy shit, like the the Grim Reaper looks fucking, okay, it kind of looks like it's a, you know, a one of those like Halloween decorations that you put out on your front lawn and it like shakes and woo and makes fucking weird noises and shit. Yeah, it kind of looks like that, but whatever. It still works. It looks awesome. The little lizard monsters that like, oh my God, they're so fucking, is it sad that I think they're cute and I would love one for a pet, but, um, they're fucking awesome. Uh, the hag lady, the fucking Ouija board lady, uh, so much of everything that happens in this because of practical effects, the fucking like the different monsters they created looks like something right out of Michael Jackson's Thriller video, and I don't fucking care because it looks awesome. Um, it, so much of it, so awesome. It's when I did the the synopsis reading, and it says about like you know like the the amazing special effects. This is one area where this movie fucking nails it. Is the special effects that. Maybe the story doesn't completely work in a linear you know narrative. um, I actually saw someone wrote it exactly like that um you know there there's some weird shit going on in this movie, but the special effects are without a doubt one hundred percent perfect in this fucking movie, even the ones that look a little campy still, you knew there was passion put behind it um now, the Billy and his birthday sequence to me is just completely unnecessary. They honestly could have done without that. I I almost get this feeling that that was created to expand the time length of the film because uh, it runs, what, 85 minutes long? Without that, I think you're taking away like maybe a good 15 minutes. It would have been a 70-minute film uh, without it, possibly even a 60-minute film. So I almost feel like it was just added just to add some time to the movie to make it a bit longer. Um, but it really, it, it it's, in all honesty, it's a stupid storyline. Some kid runs away from home because he thinks his parents forgot his birthday. Then he shows up at some mansion that supposedly someone knows it's his fucking birthday, but no one's around. Uh, like, it's just, it's really weird. The whole idea of the guy in the tree, like, Giving an old man a light—I've already mentioned this. You know, it's—it's it's stupid that he would ask a twelve-year-old or a thirteen-year-old for a fucking light. Like, I don't know. It, it to me, it feels like it was just added just to stretch the time length, though. It feels unnecessary to me. Um, the characters that obviously I forget their names—it's because they're forgettable characters. They're not. Oh, there's the one British woman. Oh shit, and I can't remember her fucking name, but. She, again, doesn't fit with this crowd. Like, she's, like, you know, uh, very, um, not pompous. That's not the word I'm thinking of. But she's, like, very prim and proper, except she smokes, but whatever. Um, and, she, you know, very posh. I guess posh is the word I'm thinking of. That, you know, she's almost like she thinks that she's better than everybody else. But she really doesn't act like that. She just... Her stature, the way she stands, the way she holds herself, and whatnot um you kinda remember her, but again, like I said, like when it comes to the names, like I almost forget half the names in this movie, uh duke's girlfriend, I can never remember her fucking name um it, it, when I was younger, I could tell you I could remember her tits, but <laughs> that's that's a different story altogether. Oh, what am I talking about? I still even notice them now, but um, yeah, like I mean she's more there just to. Uh, let's say accentuate if that's a word, if that's the right word for Duke. Um, like I say, he's a fucking annoying piece of shit. But um, yeah, again, like the characters are forgettable, but at the same time, they do what they need to do. They they give us people to kill in this movie. Uh, the monsters, though, are definitely the real heroes in this movie. Creon, as creepy as he is, it, he stands out. I mean. The, it's fuck. It's a shame this movie went through so many delays and setbacks because it really could have been um, what some people would call a tour de force. <laughs> I've heard that said a few times in the last couple months, but um, it, it, this movie could have been so much more had it not gone through the troubles that it did. Uh, that said, for those of us who appreciate what this movie is, this movie's a fucking hoot. Um For those of us who like our weird cinema, our bad B-movies, you know, aren't going to rip this a new asshole uh, for being a clusterfuck, you know. Um, In other words, we're not DC comic book fans. Uh, (laughs) um, I don't know. IMDb rates this at a 5.1 out of 10. For me, it's a 9 out of 10. It's it's up there with, like, some of my favorite movies. The fact that it it, is sheer fun, it's fucking hilarious at times uh it even when it's trying to be scary it's not scary and it knows it's not scary but it's pretending to try to be scary it's weird like i say you have to watch this movie to get that but it and and like i said a hundred percent the practical effects in this fucking movie make it what it is it is so fucking fun to watch strictly for the practical effects uh the monsters are great it, the spider woman scene alone is fucking amazing um the and i mean farting zombies again i said it at the beginning it you give me farting zombies i'll call this a fucking masterpiece any day <laughs> like no one would ever think of this but these guys did and i fucking loved them for it nine out of ten and that's it folks that's all i need to say on spookies well i mean i could go on longer but i mean hey i gotta wrap this shit up right so thank you for listening and again if you are a new listener if you are one of the almost 500 plus that have in the last 48 hours found my podcast page thank you so much for listening um obviously you a lot of you know where you can find the podcast on facebook uh, facebook facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero but maybe you didn't know that you could also find it at its actual home it's home of the next level radio online.com slash podcast zero uh what lurks behind podcast zero is part of the next level network and uh it, it's been a great fucking ride so far. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm a very independent person, so joining in with a network was something I wasn't a hundred percent sure I wanted to do. And the payoff has been great, so I'm glad I did it. And the um the head guy of the network, Ben, is fucking awesome. He puts up with my shit because <laughs> I can be a nag at times and he puts up with me and I appreciate him for that so uh, next level next level radio onlinecom slash podcast zero is the home uh, you there's you can find uh, what lurks behind podcast zero.com as well I uh, have a website for the podcast as well those are the two areas to go to first for the podcast um, if you haven't subscribed through iTunes or Google and as I just found out today, we will also be on Spotify within the next couple days. So um, within the next week or so, uh, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero will be on Spotify. That's going uh, to be different. I've never had a podcast through Spotify before. So looking forward to that. Um, also, one of the other areas where I have a lot of support and I love being a part of that community is Instagram. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. It's very easy. Um, Twitter. As much as I, I, I've said this week after week after week, I'm not a huge fan of Twitter. Uh, but that said, there is a lot of people that follow the podcast on Twitter, so I mention it anyways. WLB Podcast underscore zero. You can find the podcast there on Twitter. Like on Twitter. And uh, I hate to do this, but before we split, uh, just reported tonight, a bit of sad news to report, as Scott Wilson, who played Herschel on The Walking Dead, passed away today. It's uh, October 6, 2018. He passed away today at the age of 76. So uh, to his family and friends, obviously, uh, you know, we send our our condolences uh, try not to be sarcastic prick about something like that uh because you know it's the reality is is that death is final um and uh it's really sad that he passed away and i found that out while recording this so uh i wanted to save it for last though uh, just because i knew i was gonna be doing a lot of shit talking and having fun with this and I didn't like the idea of putting that in the middle of the episode. So, uh, yeah, uh, sad news. Scott Wilson, uh, Herschel on the walking dead passed away today. As for next week, uh, next week's episode is, uh, a Halloween spectacle of sorts. Uh, it's a low, low budget, uh, indie film, but it's one that, uh, the first time I ever saw it, I fell in love with it. And it's a, a great Halloween treat that I wanted to share on, uh, This podcast uh, from the creative mind of Justin M. Seaman, The Barn from 2016. And I've talked about another film that he was a part of as well uh, way back uh, beginning of the podcast, uh, like back in February, I think it was, a movie called 1031, which is also another Halloween based um, horror film, like indie film, whatever. Uh, 1031 was more an anthology kind of story where this is a direct one story film about some kids going to a concert and they uh, come upon some uh, ghoulish creeps, I guess you would say, in a barn. Uh, But I'll explain all that next week. I'm going to sign off with a song that I thought somewhat kind of fit the theme for this week. This week being about spookies and monsters and whatnot. Closing track for this week is going to be from the band The Gathering, uh, which is... Oddly enough, one of the, uh, it's a band that when people find out I like them, they're like, that's a little soft for you, isn't it? Yeah, but I love The Gathering. Um, song called Monsters from their album, Souvenirs. So that's how we're going to close out this week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for all the support on Facebook this week. It's been fucking mind-blowing. Uh, keep it macabre, lurkers. And next week, The bar 2016. Have yourself a very... Great, bloody...